once again welcome to bible study so excited to have you here today let us pray our father and our lord we thank you we thank you for another time to worship you to learn from your word as a community as a tribe and as your disciples we ask that you open the eyes of our hearts today to hear what you're saying to us at this very moment father open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we may move with a conviction that doesn't hold on to unbelief even in the face of impossibilities but that our faith becomes empowered by your word and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things through christ who gives us strength and that our faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and in knowing that he who started this work in us is faithful to complete it until the day our lord jesus christ returns holy spirit i ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and you speak through me not my words but yours oh god my father be with my mouth and teach me what to say every time i speak give me a mouth of skillful words and wisdom as i open my mouth tonight in this very moment in this teaching fill it with what i need to do your will fill it with what i need to say to your people I declare that I become lesser and lesser and Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, becomes greater and greater in me. Lord, we thank you. We adore you. We welcome you here tonight. Glory be to your name. We we adore you. We just say thank you for this moment, this divine moment. In Jesus' name, I have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. So today we will be reading John 8, 21 to 36. Yay, we're making progress. But before we start, let us do a quick recap on our last session. Last week, we studied John 8, verse 1 to 20. Um, And here is a quick recap. So number one, as disciples and leaders, we must always seek to be replenished by the spirit by spending time in God's presence. And we need to be re-energized in our soul and in our body by getting adequate rest as we need it. Number two, stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Keep a constant line of communication. Keep it open. Um, Listen to his instructions. Obey and let him handle the rest. Number three, the blood of Jesus frees us from sin and his light frees us from the guilt and the condemnation of the consequences of sin or of the sin. Um, Finally, you don't need proof to justify what God is doing in your life. All you need is to see it before you see it and to be personally convicted in your spirit by the Holy Spirit and or by God's word that you were sent by God for this assignment and to do the works God has prepared for you in advance. So I'm going to jump into the reading of the scripture. Um, As I said, it's John 8 from 21 to 36. Verse 21. Then Jesus said to them, I'm going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sin." Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said again, he won't kill himself, will he? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. Verse 23, and Jesus said, you are from below. He told them, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. 25, who are you? They questioned exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. I have many things to say and to judge about you, but the one who sent me is true. And what I've heard from him, these things I tell the world. They didn't, verse 27, they did not know he was speaking 
to them about the father that is God. So Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own, on my own. But just as the father taught me, I say these things, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. Verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, you will, if you continue in the word, you really are my disciples. Another translation says, if you abide in my word, you really are my, you truly are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham. They answered him and we have never been enslaved or been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Verse 34, Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin or a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if, verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You really will be free. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. So in our previous reading um, in verse 14, so from John 8, 14, we see that Jesus said, for I know where I came from and where I'm going but you do not know where I come from and where I'm going. And here in verse 21, he says it again. So he says, and Jesus said to them again. So that's where that again comes from. I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Like it's, that's so like, <laughs> that's so profound. But before I jump into that where I go, you will die in your sin, where I go. I just want to talk about the power of again, the power of again. As Mark Batterson puts it, repetition is the mother of all learning. Sometimes people wonder why things are repeated or why some people say the same thing over and over again. Well, sometimes it is because repetition is the way we instill knowledge, information, truth, and even lies into our heart. Think about the power of the media. They use repetition all the time in a subtle way. That mindless ad you see every time is planted into your subconscious mind by the power, by the subtle power of repetition. And you might ask, is repetition even biblical? Yes, it is because we see God recommend repetition as a powerful tool for, for a successful life. In Deuteronomy chapter six, we see God tell his children to use the power of repetition to be able to keep his word. Deuteronomy six from verses five to nine says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. Verse seven, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. When you're going to bed and when you're getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorsteps of your house and on your gate. So we can see that clearly, again, repetition is really the mother of all. And this is how we instill knowledge. So if you want to get the truth of God's word into your heart, into our heart, we must make 
a habit of consistent practice and repeating his word. We must repeat God habits. We must repeat God-like character. We must repeat the fruit of the, the fruit of the spirit. We must repeat higher thinking. We must cultivate higher thinking. We must cultivate operating in the higher mindset. This also applies to generally building good habits. You must repeat to instill. This is why we also see in Philippians 4, 8, Paul says, Paul was saying, finally, brethren, whatever things that are true, whatever things that are noble, whatever things that are just, whatever things that are pure, whatever things that are lovely, whatever things that have good report, if there's any virtue, if, if it's praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Again, repeat them. Think higher thoughts. And then Romans 12, 2, Paul also said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what, what that which is good and acceptable will of God. Again, there's a renewing of our mind. It's constant. It's consistent. It's a repetition. So we are transformed by the constant renewing of our minds by a repetitive pattern that enables us to undo the years of not operating in God's original design and intent for our lives and our life design. That is the whole point, is that we're trying to unlearn and relearn the higher way of thinking, the ways of God. This is basically why the world is, a, is just an entire mess. We are operating outside of original design, and that is why Jesus said, pray this prayer in Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In order to be in the original design as God intended, God's will must be done in and through our lives and in turn on earth. That is how we restore ourselves and humanity back to God's original intention. So now back to Jesus' statement. Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will seek me, but you won't find me because where I go, you cannot come. Why did Jesus seem so harsh? I mean, that statement just seems very like so harsh. Why wouldn't these Jews be able to come to where it was going? Well, Jesus was able to make this bold statement because they didn't believe him. And unfortunately for them, this was one of the consequences of not believing in him. So believing in Jesus. So basically it is what it is, right? One thing to note is that in this statement lies a fundamental principle of salvation. That is, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't believe where he came from, that is, he came from God himself. And also, if you don't believe that where he's going to, that is both the cross. So for us now, if you don't believe that he died on the cross to save us, and then for them, so for the people he was talking to, it was, it was telling them, if you don't believe that I'm actually going to die, um, and also, if you don't believe where I'm going to in that the cross and to go to heaven is that also that I'm seated at the right hand of God, you will die in sin. So for the Jews back then was that I was going to, I'm going to die and resurrect, right? I'm going to the cross and I'm also going back to heaven. For us is that I died and right now I'm seated on the right hand of God is what Jesus is saying is that you will die in sin. And Jesus is saying, if you don't believe in me, you will die in your sins. Basically, you can't have eternal life. You can't access life everlasting, which isn't merely a place we go to, but a life we begin to experience here on earth. And it extends to the next realm when we die to go be with our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that one of the key purposes of Jesus coming to earth was to die for our sins. John 3, 16 to 17 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his 
only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved wow that is so powerful that is so profound this is quite explicit believing in jesus for the salvation of our spirit and the renewal of our mind is key the second part though Post-salvation is where the Holy Spirit comes in, where with his help, he enables us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. As Paul puts it in Philippians 2.12, my dear friends, you always obeyed when I was with you. Now that I'm away, I, you should obey even more. So walk with fear and trembling to discover what it really means to be saved. What this means is that the Holy Spirit really helps us to know what it means to be truly saved by Jesus. Basically, what he's saying is that there's so much more in God after the salvation of your spirit from eternal damnation. And then Jesus goes on to say, if you die in your sins, you can't go to the place he is going. Basically, that if you continue to live in sin, you are really dead in sin and you can't sit with him. You can't sit together with him in the heavenly places. So you, you always operate and you would always operate and live in the room, lower realm places, lower realm of thinking, and not elevate to heavenly places, heavenly positions of authority, and that heavenly vantage point of view, seeing the way God sees, because you are below, you're below the heaven, you're not seated above, you're seated below. And Paul explains this in Ephesians 2, um, verse 7, he says, and Okay, let me start from five, or let me just start from four. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sin and trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by the grace we have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And Ephesians 1 18 to 21, Paul beautifully lays out the glorious riches that we have in Christ. That is the power and the authority in the entity and the being of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is basically outlining our position of authority and privileges we have as believers who are seated with Christ in heavenly places. This is our inheritance in Christ Jesus. So as just says, if you believe in me, you if you believe in me, you will not be dead to sin, meaning that you would be alive in me. You will be seated in heavenly places above sin, above in the higher realm of thinking. So why did Jesus call it your sin? That's kind of profound because it is because salvation and relationship with God is not a good project. <laughs> it's a personal relationship. It is also your sin because we take accountability of our, for our own lives. Remember John 7, 53, we talked about this. At the end of everything, when we go home to be with the Lord, on that last day, everyone is accountable for their own life. Accountability with God is not a good project. It is personalized. This is why your relationship with God is between you and God. It's not between any pastor, no teacher, not a crowd, not your followers. It is you and God. Of course, the Jews didn't understand him. Again, because... They did not believe him, so they couldn't understand. And because of this, their minds were not open to this teaching. And as a result, they couldn't access that higher wisdom of God that comes when you believe in Jesus. So when you believe in Jesus, you have access to the wisdom of God. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, God is able to open our minds and our hearts to that higher realm of thinking, the wisdom of God, the higher way God thinks. The original realm man was living and operating in before the fall of man in the garden 
right? So prior to the fall of man, man was in the image of God and man could understand how God was thinking and his ways. It was operating in the image of God's frequency. After man fell, so after Adam and Eve fell, sin entered the world and there was a chasm and man was no longer directly operating in that image of God. We were separated physically and spiritually, which includes our minds, our thought, right? And so when then Jesus came to earth to die for our sins so that we, he could reconcile us back to God and bridge that gap in both our physical and spiritual lives. Then after that first step of reconciliation, which is that when you, salvation is done, then through the help of the Holy Spirit, we need to get back to that image of God, of us that God created in the garden. Basically, it's like restoring us back to the ideal and original versions of ourselves and in turn the world before man fell. And so to be able to access this higher realm, you need to believe that Jesus was sent by God for this very purpose. <laughs> and because the Jews didn't believe in Jesus and his identity as the son of God, and of course, they were not submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He couldn't work on their heart. He couldn't work on their minds to begin to receive this higher realm of thinking and being and operating. He couldn't begin to recalibrate their mindsets back to that image of God from the garden. Got it? Right. So the goal is to reset us back to our original versions of ourselves as God intended. Not as you intend, but as God intended. So the Jews responded how best they could in their limited mindset and their lower realm of thinking, which I would say it wasn't their fault, it was just what it is. The lower realm is the only realm they knew how to operate in. So they responded, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot. And basically they just interpreted it literally. They basically thought the only time we can't follow you where you're going is if you kill yourself, if you're dead, because if you're dead, we can't be with you in the grave, right? Because we won't be dead. <laughs> And we're not trying to die with you. You know, they were just thinking that if Jesus was actually physically alive, then we could follow him everywhere. The only place that we can't actually go with him will be the grave, right? Meanwhile, the entire, Jesus was saying the entire opposite of what they were thinking and what was going to happen. So Jesus will die and resurrect and go to heaven. We know this now. He was not inviting them to the grave, but he was inviting them to the garden. He was in turn saying, I'm going back to the garden of Eden. I'm going to restore humanity to its original intent. And with this mindset you have, you can't come with me. I didn't come for the grave. I didn't come to die in this lower realm of thinking. I came to restore your grave to the garden. I came to restore you back from ordinary to extraordinary. I came to restore you back from natural to supernatural. I came to restore you back from mere men to, to divine beings. I came to restore earth to heaven. I came, to, I came so that the kingdom of heaven can come to this earth realm and function the way God originally intended. And Jesus goes on to say, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I say to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Sounds very mean, but there's such a fundamental and profound truth in this statement. Basically, Jesus was saying what I just explained above, that you are thinking of this realm, your mindset and your being is of this low earth realm, but my mindset and my thinking is of the higher realm. I have a different point of view and imagery in my mind. You don't see that. You are seeing your regular eye as people of this earth, of, as people of this world would see, but I am not of this world, so I don't see the way the world sees. I don't even see this world. I see a different world. 
And he said again, you will die in your sins. You will die in that lower level of thinking, that lower way of life, that life of sin Adam and Eve was subjected to through the curse God placed on them. If you don't believe in me, you will be stuck in that way. And it's the lower way of living. You will just get by life. You will just be okay. You will not walk fully in your purpose. You will not really fulfill destiny. You will just live and be there. That's what Jesus is saying. The Jews were so stuck on the worldly, religious, and flesh mindset. They couldn't understand what Jesus was saying. They were thinking physical, but he was elevating their mind to the spiritual. We always think physical, but God is always trying to elevate our minds to the spiritual, to the way heaven thinks, to the way he thinks, and to the way he sees. And Jesus said, I am not of this world, but you are of this world. So you can't understand what I'm saying. What he's saying is that if your mindset is still of the world, you can't understand what he's saying. The only way you can understand what Jesus is saying is if you believe in me and allow me to recalibrate your mindset with the help of the Holy Spirit. This is why Isaiah 55 says, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. We must step into the way God thinks and we must seek to understand his ways. Not our ways or our way of thinking, but the way of God, the thoughts of God. It is called the higher way. This is why Philippians 4 says, think on things that are true. Think on things that are noble. Basically, think the way God thinks. <laughs> so moving on to verse 25 to 27, they asked Jesus, so who are you? You know, I think everything Jesus said was so profound. It caught their attention and they wanted to the point, you know, they wanted to, so much that they spoke out loud like you know when you're speaking something in your mind but you speak out loud they're like who are you then jesus said this is what i've been saying to you from the beginning <laughs> i'm just saying what god wants me to tell you i am the son of god god is true and he sent me this is it i don't have anything else to say i don't really need to explain what i'm saying this is it <laughs> i can't really say more than that basically but they didn't understand what he was saying they didn't even understand he was talking about god Sometimes, the truth is, sometimes people just don't get it, and that's okay. You don't need to say more than you have already said. Have you ever spoken with such confidence, such aura, such vibe, such energy, such frequency that people ask you, who are you? Your message and your words carries a conviction and this energy that makes people wonder, what is this person about? Who is this person? What is fueling this version of this person that is so bold and is speaking so much, so much, say, wisdom or just, you know, this is what happened to Jesus. He spoke with audacity and confidence that they were like, who is this guy? And Jesus said, I've been saying the same thing from the get-go. I am the son of God, but you don't believe me. Here's the truth. To be honest, this shows us that no matter how many times you introduce yourself, some people who don't believe you and don't spend the time to get to know you, because this was actually the challenge. They didn't spend time to get to know Jesus. We'll keep asking you the same questions over and over again. And this really happens when you begin to step into your authentic self. Get used to it. It can be annoying, but it is what it is. So for me, people always ask me, am I now a pastor? And I'm like, okay, but thank God that Jesus has already explained to us what's going on here. Lower realm of thinking versus higher realm of thinking. This explains it, <laughs> right? And as verse 27 says, some things you say will sound like gibberish to some folks because their mindsets can't process it. 
they can't process that I'm not a pastor, but I'm teaching the word. Their mindset is that only pastors teach the word. That's a lower way of thinking. Jesus wasn't even a pastor. He didn't even own a church. How about that? Like, we need to open our minds. This is one of the leading causes of division and all the kinds of interpretation of doctrine in the church. The truth is you interpret the word of God and most things in life based on your mindset. This is why the Bible and Paul tells us to renew our minds. If you're interpreting the word of God with the wrong mindset, void of that neutral learning mind, that means a mind that is willing to learn, unlearn and relearn, a meek mind. The Bible says, give me a, the meek shall inherit the earth because a meek, a meek person is willing to relearn then you would always misinterpret God's word. They didn't know Jesus was speaking about God because their mindset couldn't interpret it that way. So we must renew our mind in and with the word of God, the truth of God's word, and we must see the way God sees. Perspective is key. Your perspective determines and decides what spectrum of life you end up living and operating in. So profound. And you're probably wondering, Okay, money, I get it. You're saying all these things, but can I get an example? Yes, you can. <laughs> a great example of this is the story of David and Goliath. So the Israelites, including David's brother and Goliath. So that story, David saw an opportunity because he had a higher mindset and he looked at Goliath through the eyes and mind and thinking of God. But his brothers and the Israelites saw a problem. They saw a giant because they were thinking through their own human mind and lens. In fact, Dave, um, David said that you uncircumcised Philistine. You don't have covenant with God. He was looking through the lens of God. Same, same in quotes, Christian, but two different perspectives. Same situation, same belief system, so to speak. Different mind, but different mindsets and different perspective. And as such, they had different results. David slayed Goliath. The other ones didn't do anything. It is just what it is. And this really shapes our lives and the experiences we have and, and the results we begin to experience on earth. Perspective is key. Mindset renewal is so important. If you want to live an extraordinary life, a supernatural life, a divine life in this earth realm, you cannot think, see like men do. You must change your lens to see from God's point of view. You must wear God's eyes and wear his mind and his thoughts. This is so key to become an extraordinary disciple. Let us stop living in the lower realm of thinking and elevate higher. This is how you can live heaven on earth. Verses, when we move on to verse 28 to 30, we see Jesus explaining to them how and when they will know that he is the son of God. The fundamental principle and truth here is that there will come a time when those who didn't believe you will come to a knowing that you are really who you say you are. When you step into the fullness of your purpose, they will see it. At this stage, there's no argument. There's no need to explain. It is visible. Everyone can see it. The full manifestation of who God has called you to be can be seen by all, including yourself. So Jesus said to them, when you lift me up, that is when you crucify me, when I'm stepping into the fullness of my purpose, why I came to earth, you will then see that I am the son of God. Because on that day, a series of activities, a series of events that have been mentioned in the past will take place. Prophecies from the Old Testament, which you read, which the Jews read, will be fulfilled. Prophecies from the book of Genesis, the book of Isaiah, the book, the book of Hosea, the book of, the book of Psalms that they read. <laughs> 
they will see it come to pass and then it will click to them that truly this is the man this is the person that the prophets talked about in the bible so profound so when prophecy starts to manifest in your life people will begin to see that truly you are who you say you are and people will see that indeed god is behind you then he said when you lift up the son of man when you lift my flesh and body up on the cross that is when you will see um, that I am God and that I only do as the father tells me and is with me. The father has never left me alone for I always do the things that pleases him. So basically, if you are doing what pleases the father, he doesn't leave you. He's always there with you. Jesus said, and you will see, I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. At this point, it will be very evident that it was God and it has been God the entire time moving and navigating your life. And that God who sent you is with you and jesus said the god who sent me is with me and that god is always with me because i always do what pleases him basically the god who sent you yes you to take on that assignment to take that job to teach that bible study to lead those people to birth that dream to raise those children to become that wife to start that new project or idea to post or share that message he is the one who sent you to do that you didn't do it out of your own human understanding. The truth is people never really see unless they see, unless God opens their eyes to see. This is why as disciples, we must have our own convictions and be led by the spirit. You can't convince others that you were sent or called to do what God told you to do. It is your own responsibility to own and walk in that conviction and be led by the spirit. It is your responsibility to obey the Holy Spirit and his leading, to obey God and his word and his instructions. It is your responsibility. It is in this that we are confident that the one who sent us is with us and goes before us to make the crooked path straight, to help us walk this journey to destiny as we diligently, with the help of the Holy Spirit, walk out our purpose and our calling, both in this life that we live in and in the life to come in eternity. This is why Joshua chapter one, verses eight to nine says, this book of the law shall not depart from my mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Again, repetition, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and be of good courage? Do not be afraid for the, or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go so profound again linking to what jesus is saying so verse 30 says as he spoke these words many believed him as i read verse 30 with intentionality while preparing i felt deeply in my spirit the convictions from these words like i literally felt it that when jesus spoke these simple words in verse 29 he spoke directly to the core of their spirit and they felt it you know how someone says something very simple like a simple statement but it hits you like bricks that's exactly what happened here there are times so because they said and they believed him like they heard him and they believed him there are times when you just need to speak from the depth of your heart in simple words that will trigger that conviction that others need to believe as he spoke those words many believed him he spoke those words with such sincerity they could feel it in their spirit it was an encounter moment for many of them their spirits began to align with the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's something, just one of my sidebar notes <laughs> as I studied. I, I honestly was like, 
Jesus, it wouldn't have been easy to walk with you. Like if I was literally like following back then, it wouldn't have been easy. I always wondered why wasn't Jesus communicating? Why wasn't he always communicating in low level thinking? Why didn't he ever come down to the level of the Jews? You know how it is like when you're trying to get people to understand what you're saying. So you try to kind of relate to their thinking just so that you can pass your message across. But here's something profound. It is hard for a higher being to lower himself to the reasoning of the lower being. This is why Jesus had to come as flesh to be able to live in the earth on the earth realm. Hence why he was fully God and fully man. So he was fully man in flesh, but fully God in thinking, in mindset, in his way of living and being. And that is actually what God is calling us to be as extraordinary disciples. A higher being operating at a lower reasoning level would be walking against its nature. It is plain stupidity for a wise man to start pretending or thinking or acting like a fool just to fit into and explain to a fool in their, in their own level of thinking. For example, imagine an iOS 10, the Apple iOS 10, trying to act and fit into the way of operating as an iOS one. No way, it doesn't make sense. It will be working against itself. And this is why we always upgrade our software, right? We go higher, we never go lower. So Jesus always had to elevate the minds of the people to his level of thinking, to this higher way of thinking. He always elevated the conversation. Matthew 16, five to 12 is a good example of how Jesus elevated the conversation and how his disciples were actually able to pick that elevated conversation. I think that this is what we're called to do as extraordinary disciples. When we're in situations where the conversation is turning to a lower way of thinking, or when people on social media, social media trolls, or random people on IG are commenting, and sometimes you feel like, ah, let's comment. We don't stoop low or go to that level of thinking and engage in that conversation. You know, if we find people gossiping, we elevate, we don't join them. If we find people who are worried or arguing about tiny things, so a lot of people are just worried, they are complaining. You don't join them in complaining. You don't join them in worrying. You don't join them in anxiety. You don't join them. You elevate, you elevate that conversation. You elevate that environment. When we, when we see people having pointless political, religious, or mindless, or non-uplifting conversations, we elevate, we don't join them. The book of Galatians talks a lot about how we need to operate as being. We don't, we don't engage in mindless things. It is not every conversation you must contribute. Sometimes silence is the best and wisest contribution you can make. And it's so funny. As soon as I typed this, and I, and I typed this, I went to WhatsApp, and I started engaging in a conversation on what was happening on social media. And I, was, I basically had no business engaging in it, to be honest. The Holy Spirit kept nudging me do not engage, but I didn't listen. He even sent my friend to tell me to go back to preparing for Bible study because that's what I was doing, but I was still engaging. I kept typing. Then event I kept typing. Then eventually he said, go back to what you just typed in your notes and read the last statement that you read. And I went back and I, and he read, it is not every conversation you must contribute. Sometimes silence is the best and wisest contribution you can make. And at that point, I'm like, shoot. <laughs> Definitely feel that test, <laughs> which is crazy because to be honest, I I kind of I did not know when it would happen, but I knew I was going to be tested around this thing at some point. <laughs> I think it was going to be so soon, right? And then he said, go back and delete the messages because you were disobedient. And in this lesson that just happened to me today, it's so profound because the Holy Spirit, I started asking, the Holy Spirit started, I said, okay, Holy Spirit, what I didn't obey. But what is what? What are you saying here? 
He said, Jesus always took the side of God. He was on a neutral gear when he came to conversation, controversial or converse, not controversial or controversial conversational debates. So anything, any conversation where there are two or more opinions, right? He always just took the side of God. This is why many times Jesus responded in parables and answers that seemed completely out of the point. But what he did was he was always sowing a seed and he thought in their minds that if you dig deeper, therein lies your answer. This is why it is so key to always engage the Holy Spirit and listen to his nudging, especially when you have that active connection. So always listen to the, 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 your intuition. So, you know, sometimes it's your intuition. Sometimes if you have that active relationship with the Holy Spirit, you know, because you've kind of cultivated how you hear, you know, there's the key here is to always ask the Holy Spirit what to say, even that's if you have to say anything at all, because he knows what you can say that elevates the conversation and that also allows you not to be a victim of the conversation. Remember the woman that they are, the woman that they, they brought to Jesus that committed adultery. The response that Jesus gave them just neutralized the entire conversation, right? And sometimes, as in my example, the truth is the answer is just to be quiet and not to say anything. That was in my case, right? So moving on to 31 to 33, Jesus said to the Jews that believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Abide means to accept or to act in accordance with. So if we act in accordance with God's word, then we are truly his disciples. So believing is not enough, but acting in accordance with his word is what makes us really his disciples. Obeying and following his instructions, submitting to the leadership of the Holy Spirit daily in our day-to-day lives is what makes us disciples. It is, all, it is what makes us taught by God. A disciple of Jesus is basically one taught by Jesus through the help of the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus says, when you abide in my word, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. This means that the freedom we seek is in the word of God, but experience that freedom is only activated when we act in accordance with his word, (laughs) when we obey his word. So abiding in the word enables truth to enter our lives. When we have truth, then we can live free. The truth sets us free in that It brings light and revelation to areas that have held us bound. The truth enables us to step into that version of ourselves that God intended upon creation, that higher realm vision, that higher realm of thinking. Many of our lives have been built on the the foundation of lies, not just from our own doing, but from society, from our upbringing, and basically because we live in a fallen world. All these things have shaped our lives one way or the other, whether we think about it or not. Once man fell, our paradigm was subject to the lower realm of thinking and being and living. The word of God brings the truth of the higher realm, and this truth sets you free. How does it do that? It allows you to step into the fullness of the original version of you that God created, that original image that God created. When he said, let's make man in our own image, that image of you he made at the foundation of the earth, it allows you to step into that version. And that is the version that we're meant to live in in this world. So besides dying for our sins, one of the main reasons Jesus came and died was to bring us back to that image of God he had for us upon creation. So after your sins have been forgiven, you now have to recalibrate your entire being to become that version of you that God formed at the foundations of the earth. Here, we see something very interesting on how believers can attain the freedom of life that Christ died for, like true freedom. He said to the ones that believe, if you abide in my word, meaning you have to abide in the word of God. There's no other way. 
if you are my disciple, meaning you have to be taught by Jesus through the Holy Spirit, then you will know the truth and it will set you free. It has to be both. People who can receive the truth that sets them free are missing one of both elements. You must abide in his word and be taught by the Holy Spirit. And this is what makes you a disciple of Jesus. And if you have the word in you and are taught by Jesus, that is his word through the Holy Spirit, you will have access to the truth, the person of Jesus. And because of this, because of this access and the intentionality of walking in it, you will become free. This is how we attain the freedom in God. This is how we're able to live out the word that 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says that now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the spirit of God dwells and where the Holy Spirit is the leader of your life and you are submitted and yielded to his leading, then you would have liberty, you would have freedom. And then the Jew said, but we are descendants, Abraham's descendant, and we are not in any bondage, we're not in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Again, basically, as I mentioned, they interpreted Jesus's message from the lens of their limited mindset and lower realm mindset. Again, the lower realm mindset is not evil. It is not bad. It's just lower. iOS 1 is not bad. iOS 10 is just, it's just higher. It's just better. <laughs> so why do I want to be stuck in iOS 1 when there's iOS 10? right? It is the mindset clouded by the wrong frame of reference. That is the lower mindset, the wrong frame of reference. It is a mindset clouded by the frame of man instead of the frame of God. This is why God is always calling us higher, calling us to the higher mindset. So they interpreted it literally based on their knowledge, saying that we're not in bondage. We are descendants of Abraham who carried the promise and we are promised land people. <laughs> but Jesus was saying, no, you are not in bondage to anyone but yourself. You are in bondage to the old version of you. <laughs> you are in bondage to the version of you bound to the lower level of thinking associated with the fall of man. And he said, I, Jesus, came to set you free from that old version of yourself, that whole old way of thinking, that old mindset of yours, that paradigm that has kept you the way you are all these years, that paradigm that has kept you in this cycle you hate, but you just don't understand. Yes, I came to set you free from that way but the only way you can be free from it is if you abide in my word and you allow me to disciple you. You allow me to teach you my ways and my way of thinking and my way of being. And finally, moving on to 34 to 36, Jesus said, if you commit sin, you are a slave to sin. You can't live above sin, carnality or the flesh, then you become a slave to it. If you can't live above sin, carnality or the flesh, then you become a slave to it. You become a slave to anything that controls you so that you don't have power over it. This is why with God, he instituted free will. After Adam said it was woman, after Adam said, God, it was the woman you gave me that made me sin. God said, you know what? From now on, I will give man a choice to decide if they will choose what I give them. I won't, in quotes, impose it on them so they don't blame me again. And we see a classic example of this, which is why God is always giving us choices. Deuteronomy 30, 19 shows us an example of God giving his people the right to choose and to use their free will to choose. He says, I call it heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I've said before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live. It's like, I give you two options. I'm telling you to choose life, but hey, it depends on you. With God, nothing is never forced. It's ever forced. So someone is saying, well, 
if I have free will, then technically I'm not a slave to sin because I indirectly exercise free will subconsciously or consciously when succumbing to that sin, right? Like I kind of make a choice to sin or not to sin. Well, here's the truth. The truth is that anything that makes you act in opposition to the core of who you were designed to be will eventually work against you. And let's be honest, when it comes to sin, flesh, carnality, especially as a Christian or a believer whose mind has been renewed by the blood of Jesus through salvation, you will not freely choose a choice that will work against you. You will tend to choose the right thing. So when you succumb to the craving of the flesh or that unresolved sinful nature, then it is no longer free will. It is just the way of flesh. The flesh craves and wants that immediate satisfaction. Let me give you an example. If you know you're not meant to eat sugar because you don't want to have diabetes, either maybe because it's something that affects people in your family line or you just don't even want to deal with any form of sugar-related sicknesses or whatever, but you keep eating sugar, that means you are being a slave to sugar. If you, if you were really to choose, you wouldn't eat it because you, you don't want to have diabetes, right? But you just find yourself eating it. You can't really control it. And so this is what it means to be a slave to sin. In this case, a sin, you are a sin to the slave of sugar that will lead to diabetes. That's why the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. If you keep eating sugar, you have a high probability of getting diabetes, which means you are most likely playing around with death figuratively and non-figuratively. And that the re reward of that sin of sugar is diabetes. Technically, once there's diabetes, you are no longer in divine health and as such, that is pretty much dead to your body anyways, even if you're not physically dead. I hope this example um, sheds more light on what it means to be a slave to sin. So anything you can't control voluntarily due to lack of self-control or just outright no willpower, you tend to become a slave too. So Jesus is saying, if you keep committing sin, referring to habitual sin, some people are just hab habitual sinners, same sin over and over again. You have, you've not become a slave to that sin because you can't even control it anymore. Once in a while, Yes, we all fall victim to the sinful nature or to the flesh because we, are, we still operate in this world. And if we don't submit ourselves to that leadership or this way, we tend to fall. But it, sh it shouldn't be a habitual thing. We should always strive to live above our sinful nature and the cravings of the flesh by asking the Holy Spirit to help us. And so I love verse 35 and 36 so much. Jesus says, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Basically, you can still be a Christian and be a slave in your father's house. You can still be a Christian and be a slave in God's house. This is possible because you have become a slave to sin. But there's a truth Jesus unveils to us about the consequences of habitual sin and constantly being a slave to sin. It is that a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides. At some point, this sin will eventually take over you completely. You would eventually have to leave the house of God. And you're probably wondering, hmm, I need an example or I don't get it. The perfect example is the story of the prodigal son. It sets two examples of how you can be a, a slave to sin that eventually you kick yourself out. Or you can be a slave to sin where you are still, a, you are still in the house as a slave. So the prodigal son is an example of someone who became a slave to sin and eventually sent himself out. 
And his brother is the example of a son who was a slave in his father's house, but he wasn't aware of it because he wasn't enjoying his privileges as a son because he was also a slave to a type of sin. Probably not habitual like his brother, but he was stuck in that slave mindset, that lower mindset of thinking. And as such, he couldn't access his full privileges as a son. The fact is that a slave does not have access to anything major, but maybe menial tax, maybe some benefits, fringe benefits, whatever it is called, is not able to enjoy the benefits of a son. So if you stay in slave mentality, you won't access the full privileges of being a son. You won't, you won't access the full privileges of being someone led by the Holy Spirit. You won't have access to the full privileges of someone seated in, with Christ in heavenly places. And Jesus said a son stays in, stays in the house forever and enjoys the full privileges of a son. That is so beautiful. So Jesus said, if the son, that is, if I, Jesus Christ, set you free through salvation, then through the recalibration process of your mind to your original intended version that God wants, in the way you think, in the way you see, see how God sees, in the way God wants you to live, then you will be made free. If Jesus sets you free through this process I mentioned, then you are truly made free. The other day I was watching a music video and my eyes were really open to see what it means for Jesus Christ, the son, to set you free and to be free indeed. It means practically that you are free to live in the entirety and the fullness of who you truly are. Like that version of you, God really intended you to be. And I've been called to be doing what you love, impacting lives, living that life, the original version of you. And knowing that the end of your life is even greater than it is today, right? As you live in that fullness of who you are, the core of your being, that is true freedom. It's from inside out. As a slave of a king in the house, you can still enjoy certain privileges, right? People have servants, they have certain privileges, but definitely not the full inheritance as a son of the king would, right? So the goal is to, the goal, our goal as extraordinary disciples is to be a son so you can abide in the house forever or else you would eventually lose access and in turn lose these privileges of being in the house. We've talked about someone seated in heavenly places above all principalities and powers, authority, all these things. Of course, we know that God would always accept us back even when we leave because he did accept the prodigal son back because he will never kick us out. It is you that will kick yourself out. <laughs> and so in saying all this, who is a son? Because you might be asking, who is a son? A son is one who is led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, for all, for all who allow themselves to be led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. A son means that you then begin to look like the image of God he intended for you upon creation. It means you are allowing the Holy Spirit to walk in and through you to start to look more like the version of you that God intended. It means you are starting to look more like the image of Christ. Those who allow, and the key word here is allow, you must allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. And those people are who God says are the sons of God. <laughs> if we submit to the Holy Spirit and his leadership, and we are willing and submitted vessels, presenting ourselves daily as living sacrifices, daily dying to our flesh and the sinful nature, the, the more we will step into sonship, the more we can enjoy the privileges of being a son seated with Christ in heavenly places, and the more we can access all that which Christ died for us the more we can experience the liberty and the freedom in God to become and to live out the original version of us that God intended when he created us. 
Amen. <laughs> so many profound truths in this um, text. And, and I just pray that as, as the words just went out, that the Holy Spirit will just begin to do his work and like do what he does. Because the Bible says the entrance of the world brings light. It brings life. That this word will bring life and light into your life and will help you elevate and desire to elevate to the higher realm of thinking in every area of your life. Amen, amen, amen. To summarize our teaching for today, it was a mouthful, but these are keys that can help us live an extraordinary life. Number one, if you want to get the truth of God's word into our heart, we must make a habit of consistent practice and repeating his word, you know, daily. Um, number two, we must renew our mind in and with the truth of God's word, and we must see the way God sees. Perspective is key. Your perspective determines and decides what spectrum of life you will end up living and operating in. Number three, if you want to live an extraordinary life, a supernatural life, a divine life in this earth realm, you cannot think and see like the way men do. You must change your lens to see from God's point of view and with, from his, with his eyes, with his lens. Finally, being a son means you are led by the Holy Spirit. It means as a son, you then begin to look like the image of God he intended for you upon creation. It means you are allowing the Holy Spirit walk in to walk in and through you to start to look more like that version of you God intended. It means you might not even recognize yourself by the time he's done. <laughs> it means you start looking more like the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, which you can see Jesus was radical. He had audacity. <laughs> He had so many things. He was multidimensional in his being. He was kind. He was loving. He spoke great. He spoke truth with grace. He was audacious. He was bold. He was radical. He was savage. He was kind. Just, you know, just the fullness of personality, the fullness of, of just being human and being being divine. Beautiful. Um, and I think that's what God is calling us to today. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for another time to fellowship with you and to learn from your word, from Jesus, our lead disciple, our role model and mentor. We just want to say thank you. Thank you for, thank you, God, for sending us your only begotten son to die for us, to save us, so we would not perish, but would have everlasting and eternal life. Worthy are you, O Lord Jesus Christ, who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We honor, we worship you, and we thank you because these things we have access to as we are seated with you in heavenly places, these things we have access to as disciples, as ones who are led by the Spirit, as sons, that we have access to power, to riches, to wisdom, to strength, to honor, and to glory and blessing, my God. Thank you, our Lord Jesus Christ, for this great gift of salvation, this great gift of recalibration that you've given to humanity for to us as your disciples lord i declare that we are from above we are not of this world we will not fall victim to the flesh and our sinful nature i declare that we are elevated by the spirit of our lord jesus christ father god glorify us with the glory we had with you at the foundations of the earth restore us to the original version of us we had with you at the foundations of the earth i decree i decree and declare over everyone, a recalibration of your spirit, a recalibration of your soul, a recalibration of your body. Holy Spirit, I declare that our minds, our thoughts, our spirit, our souls are aligned with this new wine season, with what you're doing in this, with the now move of God in our generation, in our dispensation, in this decade. I declare that we, our steps are ordered by the Lord. 
I declare that with unveiled faces, we behold the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And day by day, we are transformed into the image of Christ, into that version of us that God intended, going from glory to glory by the help of the Holy Spirit. I declare that we are saints that present our bodies as living sacrifices to God, dying daily to our flesh and sinful nature, holy and acceptable to you, God. And I declare that we are submitted to the Holy Spirit as he helps us to renew our minds daily and as we step into sonship. I declare that we are beings and vessels that we meditate on true things. We meditate on things that are true. We meditate on things that are noble, things that are just, things that are pure, things that are lovely and things that are of good report. I declare that we are led by the Spirit and as such we are sons of God. Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, refine, purify, and cleanse out every behavior, personality, or character trait that cannot follow us to the next version of glory that God is unveiling in and through us. Every character trait that doesn't represent Jesus Christ, Lord, refine and purify with your refiners and your purifiers fire. I declare that we overcome all excessive character traits, behaviors, and patterns that no longer serve us by the blood of Jesus. And I decree that we have the mind of Christ and we are Christ-like. I declare that our image reflects and embodies Jesus Christ. I declare that we are sons and we look like our brother, our role model, our prototype, our blueprint, our Lord Jesus Christ. We look like him in character. We look like him in behavior. We look like him in our mind. We look like him in our emotions, in our thoughts, everything, Lord, in our spirit, even in our soul body lord purify yes in our bodies divine health walking in divine health lord purify and refine us so that we may offer to you offerings in righteousness by the power of the holy spirit we drop the excess weight of character and personality traits that will not serve us in the that will not serve the new version of us and our next level i declare that we are no longer a slave to our flesh and to sin we overcome because with christ we can do all things i declare that we overcome and walk in complete victory and freedom holy spirit purify our hearts and cleanse us from within and make us holy set apart for you lord so that we can present offerings to you in righteousness so that we can present offerings in alignment with your will for us so that we can present offerings in alignment with the version of us you want to see so that we can present offerings in alignment with the vision version of us you intended upon creation Lord, purify and refine us with your purifiers and refiners fire. Purify our desires, purify our thoughts, our feelings, our attitudes and beliefs, purify our behaviors, purify our choices, purify our values, purify our limits, purify our resources, purify our gifts, purify our love so that we can shine forth as pure gold and silver. I declare that because of the mercy, the love and grace of our, of our God, we are sons who are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. God, give us an encounter to come in contact with your holiness and to live by your standards, to desire holiness and to work towards it. Make us overcome us over our flesh. I ask that you give us encounters that unveil our deficiencies in character, spiritual behavior, deficiencies in our spiritual behavior, deficiencies in our character, deficiencies in our health, deficiencies in our body, in our mind and in our spirit. Make us disciples Jesus will be proud of. Make us a demonstrative vessel of your power and glory. Lord, anoint our eyes with eye salve so that we may see the way you see. Open the eyes of our heart. 
the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our eyes to see as you see, Lord. I decree and declare that we are saints who ascend the hill of the Lord because we have clean hands and pure hearts. I declare that the word of God will not depart from our mouth and our heart, that we will become the word of God in flesh. Our lives will be living, will be living expression of the word of God. Lord Jesus, I declare declare that we will be disciples who meditate on your word day and night and we obey your word and your instructions i declare that we are both hearers and doers of your word i declare that we will move with the holy spirit boldness we will move with the holy spirit boldness with audacity with courage because we are intimate with you because you are with us because you are one with us hallelujah we do not operate alone but we are led by the spirit we are sons of god so we, therefore i decree and declare that we will be strong and courageous even as we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling lord we thank you for our prayers today because we know you have answered them they have gone out speedily because this is a season of acceleration our prayers will be accelerated speedy answers because we believe and to those who believe there will be a performance and i decree and declare that there will be a performance of the word spoken today I declare that these words will not delay but be, but be accomplished and it will accomplish that which has been said to do. It will deliver the promise we will walk in liberty, that this will walk in the liberty that the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God gives because who the Son sets free, yes, He is free indeed. I declare that we are free indeed by the Son and we are sons. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I de declare that the grace, the favor and spiritual blessing of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, of Abba Father and the presence and sweet fellowship, intimate fellowship, koinonia and the communion to be coming into union and sharing together and participation with the Holy Spirit be with everyone hearing this today. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to today's session. I hope you were blessed. I trust you were. Don't forget to invite your friends to the sessions or get them to sign up to receive our daily prayers and to get access to the bi-weekly Bible study session. The link is in the bio. See you next time. Ciao.